Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. You're sitting very close to someone right now. I am. I'm so honored right now. You had your lovely Irish lady on a few episodes ago. I've got my Scandinavian Viking goddess next to me <laughs> this time. I'm so excited for this episode to have my lovely and talented wife, Charity, with us. Charity, you ready to put up with our antics? I am, I am. <laughs> no backing out now. Nope. You guys have run out of things to do on Netflix, and you're like, well, I guess we could go do that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finished Ozark. What's next? <laughs> you guys look pretty happy right now. Like You look like you like each other. We're still getting along. We're all in this together, right? Yes, that's every commercial I've ever seen for the last six yeah. weeks says we're all in this together. Yes. Yeah, you need hemorrhoid medicine. We're all in this together. <laughs> <laughs> the one that was most confusing to me was the, uh, I think it was Carvana. I don't think I've seen that one. Being stuck at home, you need a car. So <laughs> we're here for you. It was really weird. Should we give a shout out to our, our new sponsor, Carvana? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I just ruined it. Yeah, Every man. time we get a sponsor, we, we insult them. <laughs> so Jerry is a huge fan of our, of our main sponsor. Arby's? Yeah, Arby's. You're no, shaking your head now. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there once. The Matt always just talked about the Jamoka milkshake. Yeah. No idea. No idea. One, one of these days, we're going to get up to the, the world's largest Arby's up there near Richmond. We are going to that next time we have a tournament up that way for lacrosse. We are there. We are there. Uh-huh. I think you should just do a family vacation. I think they have lodging there, too. <laughs> Just bring our sleeping bags, sleep in the, the lodge there. <laughs> it's like the Walmart where, you know, you could park an RV in the, in the oh, parking yeah. lot. You could sleep in the parking lot of Arby's. They're fine with it. They should be. Once we're able to, you know, get out of our houses and things have opened up, I do think the two of us and our wives, we're long overdue for a date night at the melting pot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's like phase one of opening, phase two. It's got to be like phase 83 that is the melting pot. That's the last phase. As melting pot can reopen. Communal dipping stations. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Charity, why don't you tell our, our dear listeners what album we're going to review today? We are going to do Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. <laughs> And you said like the full title. It's yep. brilliant. I did my homework. <laughs> We've just been dancing all day listening to this. That's right. It's so good. I guess it was a couple weeks ago in the Cure Epipod that we mentioned Miss You Much. Mm-hmm. As soon as we dropped that on Hot Tuesday, <laughs> as all the listeners love to call oh, it. Oh, yeah. Even the non-listeners know it is Hot Tuesday by now. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's worldwide. <laughs> Janet just demanded to be reviewed. That's right. Well, I get to call her Janet. Matt, you have to call her Miss Jackson. It's Janet. Because I'm nasty. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, as always, we like to start off our epipods with our memories. Charity, let's start with you. What's your memory of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814? I was 10, and I think in sixth grade, because I was really young for my grade. It was probably one of the first albums for me, like almost a coming of age album, because I went to private Christian school and you always had to sign something, say you really didn't listen to stuff. So my parents were very, yeah, they were very selective of what I could listen to. And then I kind of kept opening up and listening to more and more stuff. 
But I remember uh, us having MTV on in the background, which I don't know if we really were, we weren't supposed to be watching that one. And I remember Rhythm Nation coming on. And like, if I'd hear it, I'd go like darting to the TV. So I just thought her dancing in that warehouse, whatever, all the smoke, like it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then I just remember painting all the interludes on it. And trying to fast forward it on the cassette because I thought uh-huh. those were lame because they were like 30 seconds long or however long they were. But I just remember loving, loving the album and having multiple songs that my friends and we all just, just all loved together. So did you sneak in Janet Jackson or was it able just to kind of bridge the gap where it wasn't too offensive and your parents were cool with it? I think it wasn't too offensive. And I don't even think my parents, I think they liked music, but they didn't have that necessary love for music that I have. But I think this helped kind of start it. And then I just kind of kept buying stuff, you know, and for a while my parents probably did, you know, police it to a degree to make sure, you know, it wasn't too bad. Well, it's a good thing that the first single and video wasn't Love Will Never Do Without You. Oh. Because <laughs> if your parents had walked in and seen that, I'm guessing right. that they would not have been cool with it. Probably. And actually, that's what, I feel like that's the one I almost remember more than any of them. Well, MTV loved to play that video. They all did. The You're right. Maybe that's what it was. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what about you? What, what was your memory of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814? I think at that point, I was kind of transitioning from having spent the last couple of years really into hard rock and heavy metal, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Anthrax, that sort of thing. Uh, this is probably about the time I started getting more into you know, REM, more college alternative rock. I don't have a great memory of this whole album, but you could not get away from the videos on MTV. Listening back through it the last couple of days, you remember every like note and hook and beat of, of all of these hits, and there were so many hits that speaks to the power of this album though that I, I didn't own this album but i feel like i did i know so many tracks off it and i even know the interludes somehow <laughs> and i think even the songs that were not very good and there were several of them like you didn't yeah. miss anything you really got the best one from the radio or whatever because the other ones we were listening to it and i didn't even listen to them either like i was like i don't remember this song because i never liked yeah. it so i always skipped right past it mm-hmm. right well, all right matt what about you what's your memory of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. Matt, I don't know if you knew this, but I've had some hard times growing up, not only in my childhood, as I've shared before, but in my adulthood, I, I have suffered as well. At one point, I lived in the Chicago area, and I was uh, a very successful surgeon. One day I came home, and I was shocked to find my wife had been attacked, mm. and she was fatally wounded. I was able to chase her sailing out. I didn't get a good look at him. But I did notice one very distinguishable feature. <laughs> he only had one arm. I fought him, but, but he escaped. All the authorities, it was crazy. They didn't understand that someone had broken in. They thought that I had tried to kill my wife. Oh, man. I was taken to death row. Uh, on the way there, my fellow prisoners tried to escape. I was able to get away and follow the sewer system. A lot of cops were after us, mm. and a lot of U.S. Marshals as well. And this one in particular, was I got to hand it to him. He was doing a really good job coming after me. But I ran through the sewer system, and I got to the edge of a storm drain over a big dam. I jumped into the water, and I escaped. I went back to Chicago, posed as a janitor, and made my way into the hospital. And I found a list of all the people with one arm in the city, mm. because every city keeps a list of everybody <laughs> sure. who has one arm. Of course. And so 
<laughs> I was able to break into the residence of one of the people on the list. And this guy was a, a former police officer. I saw a picture of him on the wall and I recognized him. This was the guy. And I found out that he was employed by a pharmaceutical company and they were trying to release a new drug. And I was the one who had discovered in the past that it caused liver damage. Mm. And so they had to frame me for murder so that I wouldn't tell the FDA what I found out. Wow. So then I realized that my wife wasn't the one they were trying to kill. It was me. It just so happened that new drug was going to be presented as a pharmaceutical conference. I finally got to the conference and confronted the guy who was behind the murder. Somehow we ended up on the hotel roof and we had a big fight and fell through the skylight. And that's when the U.S. Marshal ran in. And I thought he was going to arrest me, but it turns out he knew that I wasn't the killer. At the end of it, I just said, wow, that was quite an escapade. The U.S. Marshal said, you think that's an escapade? You should hear this track off Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. <laughs> and he handed it to me and walked off. So you're saying there was a guy, the guy was chasing you had one off. I mean, you could say he had a hand solo. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. When I fought him, did I pull his arm off? Is that what happened initially when he attacked my wife? I mean, I wasn't there. I don't remember. I've told you this story before. I can't believe you don't <laughs> yeah, remember. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I it's a pretty harrowing experience. You'd think I'd remember the details like that. I feel like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm just wondering if they were tempted to add a comedic element to it where Harrison Ford is fighting him, pulls the arm off, and is like, what? You know, <laughs> or it hits him with the arm or something. Like y'all, this is the height of the MTV generation. And as we'll see with this album and these videos, 1989, 1990, 91 was the pinnacle of the video MTV generation. Because up to that point, a lot of the videos were still developing and they were very unique and neat, but they were figuring things out. And after this is when MTV started going downhill with all the shows and everything just became saturated and repetitive. This was a really unique time for MTV and for pop music in general. Yeah, sort of like we talked about, even starting with Thriller, there was that probably good six, seven year period where it was music video after music video after music video. You know, if you weren't outside playing after school and you were lucky enough to have MTV, you were watching MTV. And they were so groundbreaking, not just with the videos and the pop videos, but that was still a time where, you know, on a Saturday night you could watch 120 minutes or, or something else to get the more like alternative music and music videos. And so I think you're totally right. I mean, that was the time where that was the peak of MTV being like the all-encompassing source of music and pop culture. And yeah. Janet Jackson, this album was right there leading the charge. So this track begins with one of her interludes called Pledge, and it goes right into Rhythm Nation. We are a nation with no geographic boundaries, bound together through our beliefs. We are like-minded individuals, sharing a common vision, pushing toward a world rid of color lines.
Charity, is this the track that you remember seeing on MTV? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the first, the first one. And I remember just like everyone obsessed, like with like watching her moves, like just watching her dancing was just like phenomenal. And the outfits and the smoke and being down in the industrial. It's very dystopian. Yeah, yeah. Industrial look there. Yeah. Yeah, so you saw her in concert. About two or three years ago, I saw her and my one of my best friends, Heather, and I went and saw him and saw her, and it was an interesting experience. She she still can move, and she came out for Rhythm Nation, and she had all the moves down. I mean, she was rocking, but she kept leaving the stage. Oh no! I think she was tired. And I think she couldn't hack it. So her dancers would do a ton of stuff. Then she'd come out and do like some of the big parts of a song. And then she'd leave again. And we were just kind of like, whoa, where'd she go? I think she was getting oxygen. So, I mean, I think she's, oh she's still very, I, and I saw that she's coming again. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how that's going to go down. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was interesting. We, we had a great time. We had a lot of fun seeing her, but um, she was definitely off the stage as much as she was on the stage. Was it disappointing with that happening? Uh, a little bit, but when she was on there, she she was really good. Her voice sounded great, and her her dancing and stuff was all really good. So not really. Yeah. We just kind of felt like, oh, my gosh, she's getting older. We're getting older. This sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, but we still we had a lot of fun, and it was good. I know she's coming back. I don't know if she'll be able to be on the stage as long. When they did Rhythm Nation, were they all in the outfits? I think they were. I think they were. And she was leading it, doing her whole big thing. and Yeah. This album's like a concept album, correct? I mean, it's kind of like, I didn't realize it till gearing up for this, that the 1814 apparently refers to when the Star Spangled Banner was written. That's right. It's supposed to be a very social political statement of an album that definitely comes through in the interludes. If you listen to them. Listen to them. <laughs> I mean, even Rhythm Nation, I mean, again, with the outfits and the almost marching, dancing stuff that was going on, really did paint like a, a really good picture of what she, I think she was trying to convey with the album. The record company wanted her to follow up control with another pop album. Mm-hmm. Instead, she took her time and she got together with now legendary producers, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Which uh, <laughs> I just think that's funny. That what's your name, Jimmy Jam? What's your name? Oh, I'm Terry Lewis. You know, <laughs> and there was also Jelly Bean Johnson. <laughs> Terry Lewis probably wasn't even his real name. Oh, his real name must have been super nerdy if a cool <laughs> nickname was Terry Lewis. <laughs> she refused to follow up Control with Control Part mm-hmm. Two, and instead was really moved by what was going on in society. I think the final straw for her towards writing this album was hearing about a school shooting. Mm-hmm. She was so moved by that that she wanted to write this concept album. Even then, this song Rhythm Nation to kick it off, they could have buried those in the album and really started off with Miss You Much and mm-hmm. Escapade and just kept it really light. And she still could have pleased the record company and then put these darker, more serious tracks in there. But instead, she started it off with a statement. I also I remember reading that someone else that she was really moved and inspired by this time was you too. I mean, she was influenced by artists making stands on, on issues. So Let's talk about this video. I don't remember seeing things as intense and synced up 
and serious. Yeah, Paul Abdul and MC Scat Cat. <laughs> can't believe that was a video that was a big deal it was a huge deal i remember going to the ninth grade dance at my school my junior high was eighth and ninth grade and then high school was 10th through 12th which i'm a big fan of because having ninth graders in there with seniors is crazy but i remember going to the ninth grade dance and you dressed up i took this girl that i liked her she didn't like me so it was super awkward (laughs) and i also didn't really dance but they had a big screen up in the cafeteria they played this video and no one had ever seen it before. And I remember feeling like my parents felt watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, seeing Paul Abdul dance with MC Scat Cat in the cafeteria. I was like, this is a really special moment. Uh, the entire nation felt that way. So was this the same dance where you slow dance to Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> when it got fast, you just kept dancing the same way, but faster? Uh, no, gosh, that was the rec center dance. Okay. Yeah. This was just awkward. And my best friend Doug ended up dating this girl later. So oh, thanks, Doug. Dirty Doug. So dirty. <laughs> Late 80s, this is the time when hip hop is on a huge rise. And mm-hmm. you'd had hit makers like Run DMC and Beastie Boys, you know, kind of bring it to the mainstream. Public Enemy had come out. This is the summer that Do the Right Thing came out. Mm-hmm. And when I see this video, it reminds me both in the production sounds a lot like the Bomb Squad who produced Public Enemy and also all of the militaristic, the marching and the movements uh, remind me a lot of the S1Ws, the sort of crew that went with Public Enemy and they had that militaristic look. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like this was a way that hip hop was starting to influence pop music. You still obviously had genres. Mm-hmm. But things were a lot more blended in that time. Mm-hmm. So this song received two MTV Music Video Award nominations. Mm-hmm. And it won for Best Choreography, but it lost Best Dance Video. Mm-hmm. You can't touch this? You can't touch this. That's what beat out Rhythm Nation, <laughs> is you can't touch this. It's the pants, man. It was the pants. I mean, two videos that totally influenced fashion for years to come. When I saw that, I thought, wait, how did Rhythm Nation not win Best Dance Video? You can't touch this. It was more, I guess, a force of nature than good. Yes, I agree (laughs) on that wholeheartedly. Yeah. What else was nominated for Dance Video? Paul Abdul, Opposites Attract. Yep, goes without saying. And Madonna's Vogue. Wow. That year was strong. Yeah, it was. It was strong. That's what I mean by I think that this is the pinnacle of videos, at least in terms of dancing, because the year before, Paul Abdul won for Straight Up, which was good. Mm -hmm. But then a couple years later in 1992, Prince won for Cream, Mm -hmm. which was just gross. (laughs) Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch were nominated for Good Vibrations. Love that song. Wow. Crazy, the difference. Even if they weren't in the dance category, I would imagine that those are probably four videos that were probably up for video of the year. I can't even hear the song without seeing the video in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And there's not a lot of songs like that. Yeah. After she's gotten her point across about the work that needs to be done in society and the tenets of living in the Rhythm Nation. Which we are all a part of, by the way. That's right. 
Yeah, whether we like it or not, we are now in the Rhythm Nation. <laughs> Janet Jackson in 2020. <laughs> she makes a shift in the album to now having fun. And mm-hmm. she starts that with one of her interludes. Get the point? Good. Let's dance. So this is the song that sparked our memory to do this album, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, which we are going to give the proper and full title each time. Every single time. That's right. Miss You Much, her first single, was able to climb the Billboard Hot 100, the song that it took down to get that number one spot, Millie Vanilli. (laughs) (laughs) Which Millie Vanilli song? Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You. Miss You Much was at number one for four weeks, and that was the longest running number one single of the year. So no other song was up for more than four weeks. That's a tough year. Also, it was the year's second best selling single, because back then, remember, they did all the singles? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And uh, the first was just embarrassingly bad. It was Phil Collins' Another Day in Paradise. Matt, come on. That is a song about homelessness. Why did that song get so big? That song was huge. I liked it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm embarrassed to say that. And now you said singles, but I think what you meant were cuss singles. Cuss right? singles. Yeah. That's right. Do you guys still have your cuss singles? 
I think of a box under our stairs. Oh, I think there's a bunch of stuff. You know how, like, in, in the Civil War, like, Southern families would bury their silver under, like, the floorboards yeah. of their house? We bury our old cassettes <laughs> in the underneath our stairs. <laughs> when this whole COVID thing started going down, did you sit your kids down? We need to tell you where the casingles are in case we don't make it. <laughs> No, but now that you said this, we need to make sure we do that. We got to find those better (laughs) boys. Micah singles were things like Shake Your Rump, Rump Shaker, and uh, all these R&B songs that were on the radio. Were Shake Your Rump and Rump Shaker were those two different songs? I think everybody had a Rump Shaker song. When I was driving around in my Ford Escort, I had a bass cannon in the back. Oh, no, you didn't. A 1987 Ford Escort. What color was the Ford Escort? I didn't get the full picture here. Uh, it was white. Okay. okay. It was dumb, but I was grateful. I didn't have enough fuses to hook up the base cannon. It was hooked up to part of my headlights. So for me to get the base to turn on, I had to turn on my headlights and then the base would come on. Do you miss your old Ford Escort much? No. It was terrible. <laughs> I too had a white hatchback for my first car. It was a Chevy Corsica. Mine is the only one I've ever seen that was a Chevy Corsica hatchback. I couldn't even tell you what that looks like. You're not missing anything. Is that where you drove to cruise down to Mule Days? (laughs) Uh, I did. You know it. Pranking my Smiths CDs. (laughs) Charity, what was your first car? A Volkswagen Cabriolet. A little convertible. See, that's a cute car. That's a a a great great, first car. Yeah, yeah. It was a... It was mid-80s sometime, 85, 86. It was a great car. I loved it. Was it yellow? I had a white one. one. And then I'm one of the people that got in a car accident really close to my house. They always say, like, your first car accident, like, it's, like, right by my house. Rolled the car, totaled it, the roll bar of the car. totally saved my life. And my brother saved me, pulled me out. And then I bought another one several months later. Wow. Yeah, so. so the first one was white. The first one was white, the second one was red. red. I mean, I had that car until a really long time, so it basically like fell apart on the road. They were fun cars. They were fun little cars. I didn't blast my yeah. music in that thing. Was it Clueless? What? No, it can't buy me love. Can't buy me love. That's where I saw the car originally. That's what like, she had. And the dude drove the riding lawnmower. Patrick Dempsey, <laughs> yep, back in the day. Yep. Who was the woman who played, or the high school girl? What's her name? Amanda Peterson? Is that her? Yeah, I think that's her. What else has she been in? Oh, she died now. This is sad. This took a turn. Oh, she did? Gosh. Gosh, she was only 43. That's super young. Should we move on to Love Will Never Do Without You?
I don't remember the videos from the previous album as much. Control or Nasty Girls or anything like that. <laughs> but I sort of feel like this was maybe the first time where people are like, oh, okay, this is she's no longer... What TV show was she on? Good Times. Was her name Penny on? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Not Penny yep. anymore. And that was a year after Rhythm Nation. That's a completely different video from Rhythm Nation. Let's talk about Penny because that was a big deal that she was on Good Times. That was a serious show because she was like an abused kid and then got adopted by the lady in the apartment building. What I remember about Good Times, it had the greatest cliffhanger of any show that I've ever seen. There was an episode where there was this boy and he was trying to back away from his mom who had abused him Mm -hmm. and he was scared of her. He started backing up towards the elevator but the elevator door was open and the elevator shaft was there Oh wow! and he started backing up and they were like, no, 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 don't. And he just kept backing up and kept backing up. And then they cut the episode and you had to wait another week to see if this kid fell. Oh man. You know how, when you watch shows now, like especially those reality shows where they will play up to a certain point, And when they come back from commercial, they play like the previous two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like half the show, him backing up in the hallway. And then when you came back the next week, the first half of the show was the same thing. It was just him backing up. Anyway, he fell down the elevator shaft and died. So that was bad. He did? No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That does not sound like good times. No, those are very sad times. It's kind of amazing to think that she became such a big pop star. She could have just gone on and been a huge actress. She could have easily said, you know what? There's too much pressure being a Jackson could have had a really good acting career. She has done some acting. I mean, I do remember some movies with her later on. She was everywhere, man. She was the queen. The number of people who cite her as an influence is pretty much every pop star after her. Why is it that we don't ever talk about Rhythm Nation? You'd think it would be much more of an influential album that people talk about still. that song it was just so upbeat and fun and easy you knew all the words you'd sing to it and i never got sick of it i just heard it over and over again and it just such a fun light it really yeah. is yeah they have that nice little call out you know, let's go <laughs> how can you not get pumped up that's right or something like that i can kind of remember the video weren't they at an amusement park or a fair or something yeah, like a carnival. I think, so. I think so. I haven't seen, I haven't seen that video in a long time. That sounds right. Yeah, I think it, it was right. that. It was very colorful. Actually, now it's coming into my mind. There were a lot of mules. <laughs> and they were like dancing around. And oh, yeah. I think I saw a sign in the background. It was like Burnson or... Burntown or Benson? Was it Benson? Benson, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's it. 
They filmed this video at Mule Days. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I can see where it didn't seem to fit on that album. It is so light and poppy and got that new Jack Swing. Yeah, because Miss You Much, even though that was a big pop song, the production still sounded like Rhythm Nation. Mm-hmm. Like it hit real hard. One thing, and this is probably very simplistic of me, a lot of these songs kind of start the same way. It's a very same sounding beat and percussion and production quality. So even Escapade breaks that mold a little bit. I mean, Black Cat definitely breaks the mold from some of the other big hits uh, on this album. Because even Black Cat's really like, you know, it's like... It's edgy. Escapade is just like fun and you're in the clouds. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. She was inspired to do Black Cat by her love of stuff like Led Zeppelin and Motley Crue. Whoa. Who played guitar on this one? That's what I was trying to figure out. That was a big deal back then. That was. Get somebody to come in and just shred on guitar. David Barry played the majority of the guitar riffs. Unless I'm missing it, like he he doesn't even warrant a link on Wikipedia. But he is credited with it. Who's this David Barry guy? Can't find anything about him. Uh, Let's see. And uh, Lemmy from Motorhead at one point wanted to record a version of it because he loves the song so much. So I found this guitar site called (laughs) guitarsite.com. This person says, I've looked for info on the guitarist Dave Barry for ages. And somebody responds, hi, I've been looking for info too. (laughs) We're going to turn this into one of those like NPR serial podcasts where we try and track down this David Barry guy. Whoa, somebody says, Dave Barry's still rocking his guitar. He's currently on The Voice on NBC. He's kind of off the grid, however. What is he on The Voice? The studio band. You know, the people that are in the background. They just play. 
Which I mean, wow. I, I've seen that show, and those musicians are top notch, you know. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Play everything on that show. So. Yeah, they've got to yeah. be able to play everything, yeah. and maybe he, was, he kind of made the, the decision to say, you know, what, I've done it, and I kind of want to be in the background and have a kind of steady thing. Yeah. Did she play that when you saw her in concert? I think she sang that, but I don't remember any cats or anything. <laughs> Everyone that went didn't get like a free kitten when they left the, the concert. I, know. I missed my chance. She just came out and sang the first lyric and then waved at everybody and went backstage to take a nap. <laughs> I'm sure she sang this, but I don't remember being any like to do. Yeah. I mean, I would think she would always do this. With yeah. me. Okay. So we've got this album. It's on the charts for three years. All seven singles we're in the top five, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And five songs reached number one, which surpassed Thriller. Janet's record still stands. Why don't we talk about it? Like Thriller gets mentioned all the time. It's crazy that, that we don't talk about Rhythm Nation more. 12 million copies. As well as the impact it had. I mean, when I see the dancing, it makes me think, with all due respect, you don't have Beyonce without Rhythm Nation. That would be one mm-hmm. of the things that would really have influenced her mm-hmm. in terms of the powerful woman and not mm-hmm. the powerful sexual figure like Madonna was. But here's this powerful woman of color with the military look and the social commentary. She did a whole lot with this album. I wonder, what was it? Did it get shadowed by the later look of her, even from Love you Will know, Always Do? And- so I think from Love Will Always Do Without You and then all her next albums, they're very soft. The one, again, mm-hmm. if, like all this, like the one where she's naked on the front and she's covering right. herself. Like that was like and really you had, controversial. Yeah, you had the Rolling Stone cover. Yeah, like she kind of went from this to kind of that. Well, I think Charity's right. I mean, the, the follow-ups were a little more soft. I and, think every song I liked after that, I can't think of one that was like hardcore, like dummy songs on that album. Yeah, they were much more soft and lovey songs. So maybe that's it. She was at the top for so long and stayed relevant. And over time, we just forgot the powerful statement of this album. Janet's got that black cat on a leash. She's about to let that thing go. If you don't remove a song off Rhythm Nation. Let's start with you, Charity. If you had to remove a song off Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814, which one would it be? There were a couple that I did not love. I love the majority (laughs) of them, but probably Living in a World. Yeah, I, I always fast forwarded that sucker. Did it just seem like a soft ballad? Totally cheesy. That would be my word for it, for sure. Kind of seems like a throwback to a song that would have been out three or four years before. Yeah, and it's like you've got all these great songs, and in the middle of it, you've got this song, and it's kind of like, what? I don't know. It just didn't really fit with it. I think for me, I would take off every single interlude, because I just feel like it doesn't land with me. I, I feel like they're cheesy and i think the sequencing of the songs is fine i like that it sorts out a little more addressing social issues and and then moves on to the more love stuff i'd rather listen to the songs and kind of glean out from them what she's trying to say without hitting you over the head even the first interlude the pledge 
Probably especially the flood. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the one before um, Miss You Much. I like that one too. I forgot yeah, about that yeah, one. I like the statement that that makes. It's sort of the, the turning the page on the album. I don't mind that one as much, but it's of the time. It just doesn't do it for me. All right. What about you? For me, it would be Someday is Tonight. As always, preparing for recording these epipods, I listen nonstop to these albums. And often it's when I'm cleaning up the kitchen or making dinner or just hanging out. And some days tonight came on, I just thought, oh, I don't know how to say this. It sounds like she's having sex with a man who's also playing a saxophone. (laughs) It was so graphic. And the song just went on and on. I was ready to be done with that one, I think, as soon as it began. That was on my list, though, too, that when I wasn't a big fan of that song either. Having said all that, it's still a remarkable album and probably should be talked about more than it is. I agree. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode. Thanks again to Charity for being on with us. For everyone else, you continue to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Finest Work Songs. Look forward to another episode. Yeah, we'll be back soon. We hope that you are staying safe, having some fun. And until next time, we hope you stay on. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.